Podcast Network. Congratulations, ladies. In the Interior Illusions Lounge, charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent category is duct tape. Gentlemen, start your engines and may the best woman win. Maroon! Silence, bring back my girls. Aja! Serving Desert Storm. You got she mail. The time has come for you to lip sync. For your life. Don't it up. Shantae, you stay. Executive realness. Sashay away. Extravaganza. If you can't love yourself, how the hell you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here? <laughs> All right, let the music play. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 115 for the week of May 9th, 2016. I am overuser of the word fierce, David T. Cole, and I'm here with seafood platter Sarah D. Bunting. She's awfully crabby. Royal affirmation Joe Reed. Yes, queen. Notoriously crappy dancer Tara Ariano. Oh, five, six, seven, eight. And reoccurring purse Mark Blankenship. Walk into the podcast first, first. <laughs> Hello, we are back. Thank you for your patience while we took a week off due to previously.tv forum upgrades, which Dave has survived. Congratulations, Dave. Oh, it's not Yay, over Dave. yet, but we're, we're 85% the way there, so... My point is that you are alive. I thought people would want to know that. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, and we are back in and welcoming into the Blankenship chair, Mark Blankenship. Yay! 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 Ah, the chair is so soft and warm. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Like that gummy bear at the end of Ferris Bueller. Ooh. It's not a plush chair. What's chair going on? Been in my I think we all know what's happening with this chair. <laughs> now of course we had to bring mark on because we wanted to talk about rupaul's drag race which he has been covering all season at previously.tv and this is the perfect time because the show is about to take a week off before the big finale and so i thought this would be a good time to discuss the season so far mark you have been extremely effusive all season about the quality of the queens pretty much right from the start you it seemed like there was not a lot of dead weight in your opinion please speak to that I certainly will, but let me start by saying that, interestingly enough, the selection of quotes that opened this episode of the podcast is the exact order of my prayers at night. So that was a really <laughs> nice uh, coincidence that I wanted to remark well, upon. I have to th- uh, thank Joe for that. Uh, me and Joe put that together like three years ago now, I think. Yeah. I think oh, we, even know. probably further than that. Yeah. That was season three. I think we talked about the show at the beginning of season three. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that's how you can tell it's old. But anyway, go ahead. And also, do... they still say you've got Gmail, which yeah. is now yeah, that, the show. Yeah, it's, you're and not the Interior Illusions that. Lounge, which also is no longer a thing. It's <laughs> controversial in my, that we still say that at my church, too. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we are, church we are. is church. They're slow to change. <laughs> liturgy is liturgy. Anyway, this season's Queens. So it's no surprise if you happened to read my coverage on Previously.tv of last season of RuPaul's Drag Race that I felt last year's queens were were a fairly mediocre group, and that includes the winner, Sorry Violet. But I 
was more concerned, actually, that maybe the drag community had run out of exceptional queens and that that the, the joy well had run dry. Exactly. And that the joy of watching the show was just going to be relegated to the the sort of charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent of the judges or the intelligence of the challenges. But what was so obvious to me, even from when I watched the introductory videos that Logo posted this season, was that my fears were unfounded and that the group of queens that we were being delivered this season more than made up for last year's group. And I have happily felt that to be true week after week. And one of the things that has been such a delight for me this season is the fact that there is no one on this season that I actually hate, which sounds like faint praise, but typically on all reality shows, including this one, there's at least one girl on there that I'm like, oh God, shut (laughs) up and get out. And like, you know, yes, there have been queens this season who aren't as strong, like say your Derek Berries, but Let's even say. the weaker queens, I feel like I'm interested by them. I don't just want them to shut up forever and go away, Roxy. So, oh. it's, it's also, I, exactly. Hey, <laughs> I, but I feel like one of the things that's been especially nice too is the diversity of talent and diversity diversity of personality on this season because. We've gotten queens this year like Kim Chi or Acid Betty who are doing things with makeup that we have not seen people do before. We've had queens like Bob who I feel like bring something really fresh to the stand-up queen persona. We've had queens like Thorgy and who or, – or you know, you think about like Chi-Chi is probably the rich man's uh, Stacey Lane Matthews from a few seasons ago. <laughs> so I think that – it's been so nice to see girls. She is not from Chicago. Uh, Lord no, no, no. It's been so nice to see a group of girls who are all really strong in their own ways, all likable in their own ways, and all capable, perhaps as much as any group of queens in the history of the show, of rising to the performance challenges, which are the ones I love the most. So that's why it's been such a joy. And honestly, from Acid Betty on, I have really loved basically all of them and have been sad to see them go every week. Yeah, I feel like this is a season where, like, maybe for the first time that they've since they've started doing a final three that I could see any of the final three actually winning because they're all so very much like in their lanes in terms of like Bob is the comedy queen and Naomi's the fashion queen with the good like improvement arc. And she's Kim with the good hair is what you're saying. Right. (laughs) Also that. And then and Kim Chi is like the makeup queen who like still maybe can't walk in heels but like has also a little bit of like an improvement arc and has the sort of hard luck family story where like she was overweight and she was discriminated against and she's sort of she's the the I feel like she's the one that you're probably most prodded to root for of this final three but I do like all of them and I feel like any either one of them feels like the the arc of the season would be complete, which is, as you mentioned, a stark contrast to last season where none of the final three felt like that was a good arc to like, wait, what have they done actually to win? It was it's right. it's a pretty big difference. This season, actually, that that breakdown reminds me of uh, the Raja season, which was season three, where it was a similar sort of thing with the final three. There was like the the sort of avant garde queen, which is Raja who won, and then the comedy queen Manila Luzon, and then the the pageant queen right. Alexis Mateo. It's not a perfect analogy. Bam. There's no one really really pageanty in this in this final, but you know, I I feel like 
kimchi at least is trying to do some interesting things with drag that in the same way that right. that raja was and i but i'm so rooting for bob bob is my favorite <laughs> i the best i love bob and i will say kimchi uh in untucked is a treasure oh, she's yeah. the best yes. on untucked yes. because her delivery of like just these very blase um reads and then she's like oh that's not a read just kidding yeah <laughs> it's the, the way they interact on, on i don't untucked and then with the fun. lisp it's like it's really beautiful because there is this like mean girl you know every rose has its thorn thing that she's doing uh-huh. but she is super sweet and she i mean she just has a way of describing things and so does bob yeah. bob is real clever so yeah. i don't know it still manages to like fascinate me all these many years later the way that they can be so sort of performatively barbed with each other when they talk especially on untucked and still like generally be like really cool with each other we're like at the end where Bob's like, I love Derek. She's my sister. And I was just like, man, because like <laughs> yeah. to hear you guys talk about it. But it's in a way that that's sort of that's what makes the show refreshing for reality TV is that you can enjoy the kind of mean girlness of it because ultimately deep down you feel like a good 80 percent of it is performative in a way that yeah. is fun. And that so many of them know each other from. Mm-hmm. before and yep. that they're not like there isn't this sense that like they're thrown together and that part of the drama is coming from them all living together and you know not getting enough sleep like on project runway for example yeah, yeah. whereas this is more like it's just coming from like the drama is baked into what's going on yeah and a lot of it is performative and when it isn't like that you know the show is sort of pretty transparent about that kind of person, Fifi. Yeah. Being kept around, another, Fifi. Another thing I think is really valuable about this season in reminding me ab- about how much of it rests on the personalities of the contestants is the fact that these queens do know each other. But the last time we had some queens stroll up in there who really knew each other, it was that endless, awful Alyssa Coco oh, feud, yeah. right. which was such bullshit and it felt so phony anyway but yes. this time you've got thorgy and bob and i love and that who all clearly knew each other but they were they were griping about each other the way that you gripe about your cousin right and it was there was <laughs> clearly like love bob there. complaining about thorgy and being like yeah i don't know if anyone watched this untucked i'm sorry like this is how i follow the show basically now is like all the ancillary properties like uh fashion photo review mm-hmm. With Raja and Raven. Which is so good. Which, yeah, it's like five to ten minutes per episode. You will totally get sucked in. They're like Lay's potato chips. Insert <laughs> Raven laugh line here. Yeah. Wah, wah. Like, do yourselves a favor. Just go to the World of Wonder YouTube channel and just, like, take it all in. Because it's actually, <laughs> yes. there's so much good stuff. And then they're in different outfits every time. And they sort of dress to the theme of the episode as well. And Raja is still so fucking beautiful. That oh, my God. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. But anyway, I think I had a point. Here. Oh, oh yeah, so I'm just talking about like working with Thorgy and that she's like, hey, Thor, and Thorgy's like, oh, there was all this traffic and my foot hurts and that guy's being a bitch and <laughs> it smells weird in here. And Bob's like, hi, Thor. <laughs> <laughs> and then Thorgy comes off yeah. stage and immediately is complaining and then all the others are looking at each other like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also like to observe here before I forget that um, so that you can also be creeped out by this, that I feel Thorgy out of drag looks like the actor who played the neighbor kid Skippy on Family oh, Guys. 100%. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. If Skippy grew dreadlocks and got oh, taller. Oh, my God. 
Cannot unsee Mark it. Price Sorry. is that guy's name. <laughs> yes, Mark Price is his name. He was on Win, yeah. Lose, or Draw a lot, as yes, I recall. Yes, you're right. Yes. Oh, my God. Also, he had a thing on a MTV stand-up special where he had sweaty pits the whole time. I'll never <laughs> oh, forget. God. What a specific memory. That's fantastic. <laughs> because in my – honestly, that's one of the things that I feel the most self-conscious about in my own life is going out in public with sweaty pits. And I feel like I see it. And I feel like it started right there with Mark Price in a way. It was like his name and my name. He he channeled me somehow. But I'll never remember – I'll never forget his big joke at the end was, you know, back then they had sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And now we've got masturbation, crack, and Madonna. And he throws his hand up and there's the big pit. And it's a terrible joke and the pit stain. Oh. And I was like, oh, Skippy. Thank God he doesn't have a career anymore. I know. He's probably – ever Except for as a drag queen in, in, from Brooklyn with Harry Lennox. Doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, another he thing great. I wanted to bring up. I also feel like the fact that the clips that you guys played at the beginning now include things that have been dropped points yes. to something oh, I've evolved. been very interested in, which is that for all of the things that this show repeats ad nauseum, it has really let some things go. Like there was no Tic Tac meal this season. Oh, right. I didn't think there about that. There wasn't last year either, was there? there was she was juicing last season so she put a single tic tac in a blender full of water (laughs) hilarious yeah Um, yeah they don't really talk about like fishiness anymore this is i sort of think about this with regard to the pool that i run every year where i do bonus points for like whenever certain like buzzwords get said on the show and like nobody said fishy for like two whole seasons and i'm gonna have to drop it next season because like it's been that's been sort of like a slang term that i feel like they overused and then moved on to something else well, and also, um, Rue actually dropped charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent almost completely. Almost completely, yeah. Has said it like twice. I just think it's sort of a testament to the show that it continues to evolve and it hasn't – it's managed to maintain its basic format but has allowed the details of the format to change. And I feel like that's not the same as when Top Chef suddenly throws in this thing where you can go compete in the Last Chance Kitchen and then we all vote for you. And it's like some random – You love that, Mark. (laughs) Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. But um, I feel like this (laughs) – Just kidding. I can hear steam rising from the next borough. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like this is a great example of a reality show – keeping at its core what makes it work, but then allowing yeah. itself to change with the times, which I how give do we, a big thumbs up to. How do we feel about the judging panel as currently constituted? Because I feel like with Carson, Carson Kressley and, and Ross Matthews have had now two seasons to sort of settle in, and they're not there every week, which all, which sort right. of you know keeps you from at least attaining that like stockholm syndrome that i sort of attained with like merle ginsburg where it's just like no don't take away merle even though like whatever did she bring um although i loved merle i did too but i was the one person who watched her yeah i and i used to hate visage because i thought she was not funny but now she is my tv squirrel friend yeah she's sort of like the janice dickinson who kept her shit together yeah right Mm -hmm. yeah I have to say Ross Matthews has grown on me, and I was not expecting that. Not in the comedy department. I still feel like all of his lines feel forced and, like, very clearly fed to him by writers. He's not been managed to, like, make that seem more natural. But I think his investment in the Queens and his sort of observations about drag have really improved over the two seasons. Yeah, when he's not trying to be funny. Yeah. I think he's good. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Carson Kressley is more naturally funny, but I don't believe that he, like, cares about 
the competition as much. I feel like he's just sort of like breezes in and breezes out. What is his deal? Like, what is his claim to fame? <laughs> he used to be Ross the intern on the Jay Leno show, right? Uh, is that where he yes. started? And, and then he did yes. like e-fashion stuff, I yeah, think. It reminded me of the guy that the... Uh, uh, decorator from Beetlejuice. I knew you were going to say Otho? that. <laughs> yes, totally. He had gotten skinny for a while. He did one of those like Weight Watchers or something and had gotten pretty, like not skinny skinny, but like lost a bunch of weight and then gained it basically all back. So I do sort mark. of like, <clears throat> what's that? We've all been there. I said, I feel you, Mark. We've all been yeah, there. no. His name is Rasta. Oh. Yeah. Are you still back on Skippy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was We're like, really cycling it through you, Dave. For the last two years. Hey, what quiet, fatty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so who do we think is going to win this thing? Bob. Bob. I think it's going to be Kim. I thought last the last episode, I was saying this to Mark. I said, because uh, the the episode, the second last episode or whatever, it's the final four, and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of game there, so you get a lot of like narrative there. And I said... The narrative of that episode really seemed to be leading to Kim Chi getting eliminated. That's totally what I thought was going to happen. And I was shocked at what did happen. I was shocked and that, that totally it threw it off. That it was like, well, if that's the final three, Bob, obviously, but now I'm not so sure. See, but I feel like Chi Chi got all that narrative for a reason somehow. So now I feel like, well, maybe Chi Chi's going to win. And I know that decision isn't set in stone because like Rue waits to see what the fan support, which way the wind is blowing as far as fan support goes. Right. But I still feel like. I think because last year the fashion queen won. That was Violet. So that's your Naomi. Two years ago, the comedy queen won, which was Bianca. Bianca. So I feel like if they don't want to be too much sort of repeating themselves, Kim is the most like we haven't seen that type of queen win in the longest. I'm still rooting for Bob, but I feel like if I had to put down money right now, I'd probably say Kim. Has the the Asian queen ever? No. Gia Gunn so. did not make it all the way. <laughs> Gia Gunn did not make it. No, I don't. I feel like we haven't had an Asian winner. Yeah. This would yeah. also be the first time that a moderately plus size queen had won. She'd be, yeah, she'd be the biggest queen to have won so far. Raja, but I've got Raja say, won. Raja's Asian. Oh, oh yeah, right. true. Yes. Uh, I just don't point. think of her as having any. <laughs> Raja's like, eternal. Raja's ethnicity. She's like David Bowie. She's yes, space, way exactly. more beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like, personally, kimchi is amazing. And if she does win, I won't be upset. Mm -hmm. But to me, the only reason there's no narrative for Bob is that he came in the best and he remained the best. And that's not that interesting from a a reality show narrative perspective. But it still means that Bob should win to me. Although it is interesting that he said that that he'd only started doing drag because he watched the show. That made like that he was right. a, he was a fan and then became like a champion. That's also right. a pretty good storyline too. It worked that on, is. it worked on Face Off not this past season but a couple of seasons ago. So I think that would work. But That's as long as we point. all agree, Naomi's not going to win. Yeah, no, no. I would I would be not totally shocked, but I would be. It's the longest odds at this. I point. love her voice though. She should really start doing yeah. some sort of voiceover of i don't know what she would read and she's another Filth. one who comes across a lot better uh <laughs> uh on untucked where the one it was just a little interstitial clip where they were like panning across everyone and she does this about uh 
because my pussy pops severely and yours don't. And I was like, damn. Like, and that's from like this like obscure little vine that she made me go and look up after watching that. I was just like, I love that way that like that, that drag culture sort of like winds its way through like meme culture. Yeah. It's so good. I also love that she um, occasionally while someone else is talking will just absentmindedly like look over her shoulder to look at her own butt <laughs> and then be like, uh-huh, still great. Like, that's right. Yeah. Well, that's right, lady. I agree with Mark. It's been a s- tremendous season. I'm very excited to see how it ends. And um, and if you have predictions, you're supposed to go on sp- social media and, and tweet or whatever, hashtag your allegiance. So hashtag Team Bob for me. Yeah, for me too. I'm going to go Team, uh, team Kim. I, th- I think it might happen. And I got to say, Team Bob, all the way. Dave, you watched one episode. I like Bob. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Bob is he's got a great. He's got a great line that I'll play at the end of the episode. So. Oh, yay. Yeah. Oh, I, I will not be sad when he wins, but I'm just going to vote for Kim. All right. Hi, this is Nick Reinwald-Jones, host of Making the Sausage, a podcast all about the inner workings of the TV business. And this week we're talking about writing promos with promo writers Jeff Drake and Jenna Jolovitz. Here's a little taste. I had written into there a joke for Jessica Alba where it was <laughs> the point being sold was because research has shown that, you know, America wants more comedy or some some dumb mm-hmm. thing like that. And cut to Jessica Alba in a room full of pancakes and she says sorry i'm just gonna do that for a minute (laughs) and she says more comedy i thought they wanted more pancakes (laughs) so we literally we bought a thousand pancakes which by the way a thousand pancakes if you're gonna shoot something that looks like a room full of pancakes you're gonna need a lot more than a thousand pancakes (laughs) you want to hear the rest of that story and many others you can find making the sausage (laughs) on previously.tv just click on podcasts or search your favorite podcasting app for making the sausage hope to see you soon thanks it is time to go around the dial our first stop is tari ariana Hello, as we record this, it is Monday, and last night was the series finale of The Good Wife, and I don't know what I was expecting, but not <laughs> this. Not that? Yeah, it's, it's it really, I mean, I, I, there was an interview with um, the creators of the show, uh, Robert King and Michelle King, on Deadline today, where they sort of said... You know, we didn't want to give her the, the like they they talked about how because she ends Alicia, the titular good wife, does not end up with the guy that she's been boning for the past, like whatever, six or eight episodes. And he just like disappears like he's there's a moment at the end where you think they're, he's there watching her at this press conference and then it's totally not him. And then like when I went back to do the post on it, it's like, oh, he pieced out like pretty early on. <laughs> Like the the fact that whatever their last scene is, is like the two of them plus Carrie is weird. And then he's just gone. Like it's so unceremonious. So in a way, I kind of admire that it reflects yeah. what life is like more so than what a TV series is like. Like everyone doesn't get their big valedictory moment. I mean, they had that episode a couple of weeks ago with the, the engagement party for Peter's mother, where there was a little bit of that, where obviously there was a showcase for all the characters that weren't going to make it to the finale. But at the same time, it's like, <clears throat> anyway, in this interview, they refer to her uh, to Alicia as saying, like, she's she's not a Walter White, but and then it's but the way it ends, she it seems like they kind of do think she's Walter White, because the last thing yeah. that happens is 
uh, Diane finds her in the bowels of this hotel where this press conference is happening where Peter is stepping down and taking a plea deal. And and, and because <clears throat> Alicia has thrown Diane's husband, Kurt, under the bus with like this really shady courtroom thing, um, she slaps her in the face hard. Sarah and hard. I were talking about this today. <laughs> I think that's a real slap because they, I, yeah, <clears throat> I made a gif of it. You can see it on previously.tv because there's no cuts and like you see yeah. Margulies react to it. And when she pulls her hand away, her, her, her face is red. Like there's a palm print there. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> you know, it parallels what happens in basically the beginning of the series in the season The sorry, the series premiere where, it's another press conference that Peter's giving where he's, you know, disgraced and has been buying hookers and blah, blah, blah. And then Alicia slaps him. But now she has become the Peter in her own life. Like, I don't know what we're supposed to think she where she goes from here. Like, does she right. if there's no Jason, does she just settle for whatever she had with Peter? Whatever that may be. Like, he's still into her, obviously, but he's also still. A total horn dog, and like she, I don't think that she has a future at any firm with Diane now. <laughs> I also yeah. think Luca's probably going to get fired because she was part of this shadiness that Alicia, you know, enacted in the and I'm in the scene. And ugh, pretty bitter that 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 was Luca's send off was participating in that shit. Since. Yeah, yeah, we don't see her after that, right? Yeah. No, we see her at the firm because Alicia goes looking for Jason, and she says he's not here. Mm, and I, I right. don't know where he went. That's her send off. Like still it's so, hanging it, out it the felt, office before a yeah. it just seemed really like, get punitive. Out. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Like we're gonna turn her into this like adolescent just discovered fucking <laughs> schoolgirl yeah. about Jason for weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe it's gonna work out, except maybe it isn't. And then here's her true love to give her advice in a dream, and then that doesn't work out either. Yeah. Right. And I wish she had just been able to affirmatively choose something, even if it was like the Kelly Taylor. Right. Like, I didn't want her to end up with Jason either. No. But like everything about the last half of this season, actually everything after Kalinda left. Yeah. Seemed designed to like humiliate this character and possibly by extension, Juliana Margulies. Yeah. Which is weird because, like, she's in such a position of power on the show. Yeah. It feels like they had this ending that they wanted to go for where they've said that they wanted to begin the series with a slap and end it with a slap and have uh, Alicia be this sort of a woman coming into her own sort of opportunism and villainy and, like, whatever. Like, that's kind of cool. And, like, I if they had done the work to get to that point, exactly, that would have been fine. But it was this, like, really convoluted court case and this – all of a sudden, this hullabaloo about like, well, I have to do it or else Grace isn't going to go to college because she's going to drop out who to cares? visit her dad in prison. A, who cares? And B, none of that seems like a thing that's going to no. actually stick. Like, this is no. Grace we're talking about. Yes. And like, there were so many things about that finale that just like getting to that endpoint made no sense. It made like it really, you know, required a lot of like rushing over, mm-hmm. like in terms of just like, oh, I guess like Kurt was having an affair with Megan Hilty, even though like whatever that hadn't been established up until that point or whatever. And and then the last act of the show is her being acted upon. And like, I guess she sort of like, you know, <laughs> adjusts her wig and sallies forth <laughs> down that hallway. But like, yeah, first, and also that was an all time worst wig. And I guess oh, maybe if you're well, trying to like 
characterize her at that point, but just like that thing was like ready to walk out the door before she was. And it was like the fifth shot in two weeks where they had put the camera like at Margulies ass level and like either there was insufficient shapewear or just uh-huh. insufficient yeah. ass. Yeah. She is a slender lady. Like don't, don't do that to your star and executive producer yeah. unless you hate her. Yeah. yeah. But I guess, I mean, like t- to Joe's point about like her coming into her own villainy, that would have been great if it were to her own benefit. Like that would have yes. made it so much more interesting. But then this is just yes. like, she's just being a villain for Peter, this guy she's right. about to divorce. Like why to spare her children who are like college age and already know he's, shit like i don't understand and actually deserve to be humiliated for some reason yeah. if their own stupidity is not sufficient also the most crazy making thing is like for seven seasons now she hasn't divorced peter because it's the most politically advantageous thing for her to do right and then in this last episode eli like all of a sudden realized like oh wait we can spin a divorce yeah, like of what? course you can <laughs> Because of course you can. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, what fucking year? What oh, have we been wasting Jesus. all our time with them still married for yes. other than to keep Chris Noth on the show? But also, which they didn't need to do. Right. But why even bring up this whole thing of like, and now it's Alicia's turn to have a political career. Uh, okay, if you say so. Like, I guess we're not going to see it. And also, right. they tried that once and it worked out really bad. And also, no, like even in Chicago, they're not voting for her again. Right. Come on. Yeah. Anyway. It has anyway. been a good show. That was a very weird finale. This whole last season, I feel like, was kind of unnecessary in bringing it full circle. Eh, I, I don't know. But um, yeah. your coverage of it was excellent. Thank however. you so much. I, did, I, I had been covering it on Previously.TV in Particles for the last two seasons. So um, I, I feel like Diane Slap was a gift to me, and I accept that. <laughs> and I yes. will continue to using me. it for uh, that gift for the rest of time. So... Thank you, The Good Wife, for that, if nothing else. And welcome back to my life, Sunday nights being enjoyable. (laughs) That's the best part of all. (laughs) And uh, my plug is uh, also this week, um, tonight, as you listen to this, uh, Tuesdays, uh, Married at First Sight, the first year that garbage show on FYI is gone, but replacing it is a new season of FYI's garbage show, Arranged, all about arranged marriages. Uh, It's a whole... Between... Even garbagier people. <laughs> it's really true. last year. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever top Christian and Maria. But anyway, Sarah and I will well. be covering it together on Previously.TV. So check out our coverage there. Mark Blankenship. Hey, so for those of you who don't know, and that would probably be everyone, one of the things that happens uh, behind the scenes at Previously.TV is occasionally I'll look at a show and be like, hey, guys. I'd like to write about this. What do you think? And then sometimes Tara and Sarah say, okay. And uh, I sometimes will pitch things to them without really knowing if I'm going to like them or not, just based on blind hope. And it doesn't always work out. I, for instance, did not like The Leftovers. But (laughs) one thing I have really enjoyed watching that I really had no expectations for at all has been The Night Manager, which is currently airing on AMC I believe uh, this week, uh, this Tuesday night, is episode four of six. But, um, you know, if you've missed the first few episodes, track them down. Because this six-episode miniseries about spies and sexiness and hidden identities and people being driven by their ideals and fighting each other in the snow. And it's just so 
good. And bitchy, bitchy is, gay people played by Tom Hollander for the win. Yes. Oh my God. Just there, always really is just, and then, um, uh, Tom Hiddleston just melting your TV screen with his yeah. earnest gaze. And yeah. I have just loved every second of this show, even when the plot gets a little ridiculous and like characters just offer up entire backstories for <laughs> for him to feel it's like hi i just met you but i'd like to tell you everything i know about the covert operation that you're trying to infiltrate i don't know why let's have a drink I, it's fine who cares they fine it's fine because listen there's so you much trust that face too is all i'm saying that's right i mean honestly he could be like tell me your passwords and i'd be like which ones eddie <laughs> i already Email, have fine <laughs> chase the bank here you go girl <laughs> um, but uh i feel like that i have especially fallen for a character on this show named Angela, who, if you don't know the show, is a British spy who is hell-bent on taking down the weapons-dealing cadre overseen by Hugh Laurie's character named Richard Roper, not (laughs) Roger Ebert's former co-star. And this character, she's just so well-written. She's such a committed person and she is rewarded on this show for her tenacity for her morality and one of the things i love is that what people continue to do is underestimate her because she's not very fashionable she's not very cool she's not is this olivia coleman this yes. is olivia coleman oh yes. my god she's the best best lover she's not in the click of the british agency the spy agency whatever mi5 so she gets underestimated, and she uses that to her advantage. And there is an, a scene coming up in the episode that is going to air this week where she explains at length why she has remained so committed to bringing this guy down. And Olivia Coleman's performance of that speech is incredible, and the rationale that it provides Angela for why she has turned her life over to this pursuit is unimpeachable. And quite honestly, I feel like this is this. Call me crazy here, you guys, but I feel like. If Carrie Matheson were not dealing with her aggressive quirks, uh, and I mean aggressive from the writer's room perspective, I feel like this is, Angela is who she might be. And I, I find that Angela gives me the, the best parts of Carrie Matheson, but without all the jazz. She's such a more interesting character. And you just mentioning that speech that she gives, like just describing it gave me shivers again. Like it's, it's such a yes. good show. We devoured it. Um, we flew to England and watched those versions. And uh, there's also Hiddlesbum coming up. <laughs> yes. So look out for that as well. It's extremely important. I mean, the amount of hot male ass on this show is not to be overlooked. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it's also based on a novel by John le Carre, and watching this made me think, like, maybe Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy would be a much better thing if it were a miniseries, because I would be able to follow it a lot better if it went a lot slower. But this yeah, is also that's true. awesome. And Mark is covering it for us on Previously.TV. Yes, I am. And then the last thing I'd like to plug, actually, uh, because I have forgotten to do it the last few times, for those of you who are interested in the theater, you can read the theater magazine that I edit, TDF Stages, and you can find that at stages.tdf.org. And Theater Development Fund, the organization for which I publish TDF Stages, graciously allows me to leave work early sometimes Mm -hmm. to be on this show. So we do praise them for that. (laughs) Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. Amen. Joe. So we are in the age of peak TV. There is too much to out there to consume by any one person. So, of course, I spent my weekend watching two very old seasons of The Amazing Race that I have already watched <laughs> on Hulu. Um, 
it's <laughs> it's fantastic. Like I have other stuff to do. I have like I'm in the process of moving, so there was like a whole bunch of stuff, and I was just like I need something on TV that I've like seen before that is very comforting. But like I was also very curious to like go back into. I watched the second and fourth season. So these were Ooh. seasons that aired like a decade plus ago, and it's amazing how much watching it back again you're sort of like your opinions change your perspectives change sometimes and then sometimes they don't um i have sort of like different soft spots for different teams i remember the fourth season is the one with uh Riken and chip the one that they won oh, uh Riken lemkul who ended up dating lance bass when last bands came, came out and whatever back then i remember being very sort of protective of them because they were like the two gay guys and like there wasn't as much representation on TV back then. And just like, what a difference like a dozen year makes where now it's just like, now I don't need them to be like my representatives for anything. So I'm just like, God, you fucking dicks. I just, (laughs) I really did not like them this time around. What's that? Many gay people winning the race later that you can love instead. Exactly. Exactly. Or, I mean, so it's one of those, like, it was very sort of comforting to sort of go back in and like sort of it's nostalgic and all the sort of right ways. And the amazing race has this, you know, interesting little like, you know, corner of my life, which sort of helped me get into TWAP and get into like, you know, your all company. So it's been very nice to go Isn't, back and watch that. Which Tarkon did you and I meet at? Six. I went to six and seven and we met okay. at six. Yeah. Which was momentous in and of itself. I think by then the show had even like started to sort of take on a little bit of water and sort of cast for conflict in a way that they hadn't right. been. But uh, no, it was all very, uh, very important stuff. So um, that was fun. For my plug, uh, uh, Grace and Frankie is back on Netflix with season two, uh, the Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda series, which is a very decidedly middle of the road show that I'm very fond of for reasons that like, are a little bit ephemeral where, you know, it's, I can see why anybody who wouldn't like it wouldn't like it. The comedy is not the, is it can be a little broad. It feels like a sitcom in the skin of a sort of more modern, something that looks a little bit more modern, but I find it very sort of enjoyable to watch. And I think season two is a definite step up from season one. So if you go to decider.com, I reviewed the second season of Grace and Frankie. And then just to sort of further wrestle with the kind of weird muddled middle ground, because it's a show, you know, where two of the main characters are this like older in life gay couple, but like gay audiences don't seem to have really latched onto it. And it's that's maybe another sort of part and parcel of the fact that we aren't so deprived of representation anymore, but it's interesting to think about the show in that context. So, uh, uh, myself and another writer, uh, Joel Kim booster had a sort of, uh, back and forth about the show and what its strengths and weaknesses are. And I thought it was pretty good. So go to decider.com. You can read that. And, uh, Grace and Frankie is on Netflix now. Sarah D bunting. Um, speaking of peak TV and shit that I should not have time for, <laughs> the challenge is back. <laughs> Rivals three, which means it's season six hundred fourteen. <laughs> um, TJ Lavin is now ahead in a jar. I'm sort of kidding. Um, Remember Rivals one with Kane and Abel together? They were great. Oh my they god, were- it was so good. <laughs> Very short season though. <laughs> um, and then there's the flood season. Right. Yep. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah. If we thought it wasn't like the WWE before, uh, i.e. basically totally scripted with various like face turns and shit like that, Uh I have to think that now is the time that this has begun. Because first of all, the redemption of Wes, 
what? Oh, Wes Like, is he's, back. like, my favorite guy. And, like, he... He was that way last season, and it freaked me out. At, and yeah, and it. at one point, like, he... People are getting in some drunken fight because it's a day ending in Y at the <laughs> Challenge House. And he and, like, five other, like, five girls are all on one, like, swimmy float drinking out of pineapple tiki cups and, like, watching it like it's a oh, tennis match. Oh, that's my table. Yeah. I got a screenshot of it and I was like, suddenly I love Wes and yeah. feel like I must hang out with him. Um, but also they're pairing um, Johnny Bananas and Sarah. Right. And Brooklyn Sarah, no less. Yeah, just season. her lines about that. He's, she's like, well, you know, obviously I'm taking up a lot of his thoughts. Like they're all bananas lines. Uh. And allegedly he hates her because she pulled bananas on him and forced him out last year. Right. And I cannot imagine that Bananas does not know that, like, playing this up and having them have a, quote, rivalry is money in the bank for both of them. That's been his MO. He was the first one to really latch on to that. It was just like, oh, if I create a rivalry with someone, they'll bring us both back for the next season. Okay, Like, he's been very savvy with that. And I'm not I'm not entirely sure some of these um, youngins from now they're pulling people over from Are You the One? Which is a show that exists. I evidently watches it and loves it. (laughs) Really? All right. Well, shout out to Leah. Yes. Uh, Leah, with her styling new fuchsia hair, yeah. so maybe um, is not, uh, you know, maybe is a tastemaker. <laughs> I, I am not going to watch and find out. Um, yeah, so it's back. I am covering it for right now until I can um, whine and plead <laughs> and make enough puppy dog eyes at Joe over here. Um, speaking of Joe, that leads to my plug. Um, if you enjoy Mark Blankenship and Joe Reed and are able to also tolerate me, we are all going to be on the next episode of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. It involves the 80s and a film soundtrack. And it's going to, and tangentially, The Real Housewives. And it's going to be <laughs> epic. It was very fun. It was a lot of fun to record that. It will be dropping on Friday, so definitely subscribe to us in iTunes or just tell your whatever podcast grabber um, to grab our podcast. We would love it. We always love to hear from you guys. Listeners, it is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs at Talk Songs on Twitter. All right. Very quickly, I have three things. Number one, congratulations to to, uh, Wolf Hall. It just won Best oh, Drama yeah, and did. Best Actor at the BAFTAs. Mm-hmm. If you liked Night Manager, it's sort of like Night Manager <laughs> centuries ago kind of thing. 1600s? Um, yeah, sort of like King Manager is basically <laughs> the show. Manager. Uh, really good show, a, a show that you know you will end up devouring if you're into that sort of thing. Um, second bit is... Um, the if I could steal Kim's the most awesome thing I saw on TV this week, it would be this line from Pickle and Peanut, which is making me giggle a good 24 hours after I saw it for the first time. Here we go. Oh, no. What did I do? Hey, hey. You got more boo-hoos than a ghost owl. <laughs> you got more boo-hoos than a ghost owl. owl. Uh, wow. And lastly... <laughs> I just want to let everybody know I finally decided on a derby name. The derby name hey. is F-Stomp. F-Stomp. It's a play on F-Stop, which is a camera term, and it's nice and violent, which all derby puns should be. All right. That is it for Around the Dial. And now we go into the canon. Mark Blankenship is pitching us today. Take it away, Mark. 
Okay, so I have done so many candid submissions to Extra Hot Great that okay. I have developed. No, girl. Okay, y'all, we need to pause this. Sarah and I need to have a conversation over to the side. Girl, I'll see you in the back. <laughs> you no, won't see me coming, I... actually. I've been fortunate Well, don't forget, to Mark's invited. doctor said he has very good ears, too. <laughs> That's so, true. <laughs> who can't stop complimenting Mark? It was repeated. <laughs> Cold in the shade. Oh, but the point is, look, I've been fortunate enough to present <laughs> many episodes to the canon, and I always have this, like, intense internal debate with myself about what do I want to bring to the fore, to how can I balance the other things, but this time I just decided, what episode of television recently has brought me the most joy? And that is why today I am presenting you with Broad City episode two, uh, uh, season two, episode nine, coat check, and uh, I could say that really, if I could, I would just submit every episode of Broad City <laughs> to the canon just on mass, just a giant <laughs> super firing canon. <laughs> but I felt like that because I could clearly only submit one. I wanted to go with this one because uh, honestly, it just there there are two jokes in this particular episode that stuck out with me and made me laugh so hard and have continued to make me laugh like over a year after I saw them. And we will get to both of those. Don't you worry. Uh, I I do want to say before I begin that one of the reasons I love Broad City so much is that it is such a hilarious show. It's so packed with jokes, but it also manages to build such, um, such wonderful relationships between its characters and it makes me care about them even though as they exist in their surreal world and i feel like that's such a wonderful and very tricky balance to strike so that this season season three we were able to get an episode that was very heartbreaking uh involving abby and alana's friendship and um abby's uh relationship with a guy and some stuff happened that was legitimately painful and it's only because these are so like genuinely real that they can move us like that but at the same time they also exist in this world of complete surreality which i just really love um so the thing that happens in coat check the episode begins and there i swear to god within like 45 seconds there are a thousand jokes that make me love it forever and i had such a hard time choosing quotes to pull for this but i just want to say that the girls have been given the opportunity to be in coat check and of course that uh, at a fancy charitable charity event and that live immediately leads to them a not understanding how coat check works <laughs> but then b deciding that it's still going to be the most fun ever they put on coats and pretend to be other people and in perfect form the, uh, abby puts on a woman's coat and is like mm, i like to eat and i have fake boobs and then they're like yeah but if someone wants to get fake boobs that's their right that's their right feminism feminism and just it's amazing but then the thing that happens uh Quickly after that is we learn that Alana does not know how Kochek works, which means that <laughs> while she's off pooping in the bathroom and then trying to have some sort of sisterly bond with the woman who oversees the bathroom, like she's the bathroom attendant, while that's all going down, uh, poor Abby is left trying to figure out whose coat belongs to whom. And this is what happens when people try to front with Abby and take coats that don't belong to them. All right, who's got a Marc Jacobs pea coat? Oh, okay. Small or medium? Small. Small. It's medium. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wear a medium. It's not a big deal. 
Who's got this Chanel jacket? Mine. Okay. That was a trick question. There is no Chanel. Do not play me, guys. Not today. <laughs> and I just, I don't know. I think it's just that she takes her job so seriously. And she's so terrible. I, I don't know. It's like she doesn't know how Kochek works. or Well, that's not true. Ilana doesn't. But Abby... She will find a way to be really good at her job and be really serious about her job, no matter the crazy circumstances, and I really admire that. And then uh, because she's so dedicated to doing a good job, she is overcome with the responsibility of returning a coat to one Ms. Kelly Ripa. And I did not select this episode for the canon um, knowing that Kelly Ripa would be in the news for a scandal involving her co-host, but let's not worry about that. Uh, but then she, uh, Abby gets very nervous around Kelly because Kelly's coat has accidentally walked away. She doesn't know how. And Kelly Ripa's pretty blasé about the whole thing, but then says, great, you know, here's my information. Call me if you find the coat. And Abby's like, what? And then this is what happens just before Kelly leaves. What's your name again? Oh, um, it's Kelly. It's Hope. It's Faith. <laughs> um, my name um, is Abby. That's what my parents gave me. Okay, well. When I was born. Nice to meet you. Thanks. Thank you. You know, thank you for your talent and for your, your role modelness and for just being like, for being just, you know. <laughs> okay, I chose that section because there's so many things to break down about how the humor works in this episode. One, the fact that Abby starts confusing herself with character with Kelly Ripper herself and then with both of the characters from Hope and Faith <laughs> it's just perfect and ridiculous and then what you can't see just by listening is that when Abby is thanking Kelly for all of those things Kelly is gone Kelly has left and Abby's just talking to the invisible Kelly and just explaining her role modelness and the it's amazing and then she passes out at the end which I just love. And then um, one of the things that's so great about this episode, too, is it pinpoints how you literally never know where the show is going to take you because then Abby and Alana get back together and they go together on a mission to get this coat back. And they go to the, there's a clue that they find that leads them to this guy's house, but he has moved out and his girlfriend, who is still there, is hosting an orgy. And she's like, I would love to help, but I, I'm having this orgy. But here, when you see him giving back all of this, and for some reason the guy is a, uh, a collector of Civil War memorabilia, which seems really random until they get to his place, and then when he – his new place, I should say. And then when he tries to front, like he's not going to give back Kelly Ripa's coat, then Abby pulls out an ancient Civil War pistol and threatens <laughs> first to shoot him with it and then destroy it. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as four ninety nine a month with an annual membership, and you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. 
but the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! And then Ilana totally backs her up. And so the Civil War memorabilia becomes this completely insane plot detail that then also lets us see once again what amazing friends and partners Abby and Ilana are. And then they head off. And eventually, Abby ends up at Kelly Ripa's place. And they, for Kelly Ripa is so like Abby in ways that are hilarious. Like they both love to do stupid shit and then yell, prank! As though they're being really awesome. Like, Abby jumps out of some coats and is like, hi, you thought I was gone, but I'm not. And then um, Kelly's like, I only pay $600 a month for this apartment. Prank. And you can see them sort of, like, falling in love with each other because they're so similar. Although eventually we realize their similarities come with differences. A theme that's repeated in this episode, but we'll get to that. And uh, then, finally, the the differences really start to emerge because Kelly Ripa gets wasted and... uh, starts wanting Abby to throw uh, gift baskets on the street. And as Abby is trying to hide the gift basket she wants to throw away, we get to one of the best jokes in the history of television. She opens up the kitchen door and sees Kelly Ripa's bondage sex closet, (laughs) where she cannot obviously hide the basket. And the fact that Kelly Ripa has a bondage sex closet in her kitchen is, I swear to God, one of my favorite jokes in the history of television. Because it... What? But then, um, as the drinking continues, Abby tries to be game with it, and then they have this conversation. I know. A lot of people think that because I'm on the morning show, that I have to be, like, America's good girl. Totally. And I'm just, like, at this place in my life where I've accomplished a lot. So much, man. Yeah. I literally don't even give any f***s. Like, I hate they're the worst. <laughs> Seriously, you have to pull me harder because I can't even get into a full pretzel like this. What do you this. mean? What is a pretzel? Why are we I doing stress. this? <laughs> I like it, but what is it? <laughs> That's my favorite line from the episode by far. I don't know what oh it is. Oh my god, I like, <laughs> I like it, but what is it? That joke, I say that to Andrew my husband so much <laughs> i like it but what is it oh my god it's my other favorite joke in the history of tv um then what i have so anyway all of that ends with kelly trying to bring over strippers or i'm sorry whores male whores for them to screw and abby freaks out and runs and then kelly's like but her dominoes for after and it's amazing <laughs> and i really respect the hell out of kelly ripa for letting herself be portrayed as someone who has sex with male whores when her husband and children are out of town and who has a 
bondage sex closet in her kitchen. So I haven't even gotten, however, to the other thing that's happening in this episode, which is the Ilana storyline. Because when she is at that coat check party, she sees Alia Shawkat, who you might know as maybe from Arrested Development. And the whole joke is that those two actresses look exactly the same, and they really do. But Ilana doesn't clock onto this at first. At first, she's just like, this is the most perfect sexual being I've ever met, or it's not even sexual, it's my spiritual being. They start making out for no reason in the middle of the party, and they start heavily dating and all of that. And then finally, Abby sees them together and is like, dude, she looks just like you, and Ilana freaks out. And she tries to break the news gently to Adele, which is the name of Alia Shawkat's character. And this is what happens when Alana tries to tell Adele that they are exactly the same. Okay, I want to put this delicately because I don't want to freak you out too much, but it came to my attention that we look exactly alike. Yeah, no s***. <laughs> you knew? I'm not blind. I mean, isn't that why you approached me in the first place? No. I was drawn to your aura. And your scent, you know? And your curls and your cheeks. Of course I'm drawn to myself. I masturbate in a mirror. (laughs) And so, again, as was the plot between Abby and Kelly, we see these two characters who have so much in common ultimately not being right for each other because, in a way, they are too similar. And that leads us to the final scene of the episode where our two heroes, Ilana and Abby, are united again and... They're joking about really calling up male prostitutes. And Alana, because she's so game, is like, Abby, make, tell me. I'll do it. And Abby's like, I'm going to, okay, do it. And then they're like, no, 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 I can't. And sort of in that comic way, everything is restored to order. And these two are back together in the world they know. And it is such a strange, weird journey. But then it gets back to this really cool reaffirming thing about their friendship. And to me, I really think that there are like f- basically 15 episodes of Broad City that can be in the canon. But the particular weirdness of this one, the joke to joke to joke to joke frequency, the success of the jokes, the the successful use of the guest stars, the sort of deep insight on who these characters are to each other and to themselves, all of that, and the fact that it's got two of my favorite TV jokes in recent memory, made me submit it for the canon. I will begin. This is a great episode, and I I especially like this choice because... Um, there's not a lot of the other side characters that are often on the show. I mean, as much as I enjoy Lincoln, which is very much and Bevers, which is, eh, he's, he's a little, can be a little <laughs> overused. Um, but this, the focus is just solely really on Abby and Alana and both of them get storylines that like fully, like if you'd never seen the show before, this this is both of those characters in a nutshell. Abby in her abbiness at like at the coat check, her anger at the people trying to first of all, her like her she's, you know, she's irritated by Alana not understanding how coat check works, but like she has to roll with it because they're friends and that's how it works. And also, as you say, she's going to be great at whatever job she takes, including her day job, which is cleaning up pubes at a gym at this point in the series. <laughs> like, uh, it reminds me, her her uh, her type A-ness in the coat check reminds me of a moment in um, the second last episode of this most recent season, season three, where uh, she and Alana are trying to get to the airport and um, Alana screws up her flip-flops running for the subway. And she asks her if she asks Abby if she has tape, and Abby's like, "Why would I have tape? 
yes, I have four kinds of tape. <laughs> like that's, I just, I love that about Abby because that is me also. Um, and then the fact that that Alana's storyline is all about her own narcissism is like perfect, particularly because she doesn't understand that that's what's happening, and that the fact that what breaks them up is that Adele doesn't smoke weed. <laughs> and that it's like instant like the cut is like you what and then it's like her closing the door on Adele end of storyline and the Kelly Ripa stuff is great as you say that this is a show that uses its guest stars really really well Um, whether they're playing characters or if they're just cameoing like Kelly Ripa is and the fact that she was able to or willing to um, send up her image like this so fearlessly I mean people sort of forget that she was she was an actress first and that she is really funny as an actor as well and she gets a great showcase here um the stuff about the bed bath and beyond coupons was great and (laughs) my favorite line is we're a shape up household (laughs) 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 that they have a rack of shape ups for people to wear when they come over is like so perfect um yeah this was a great episode excellent choice i love the show and i love this one so thank you mark for presenting it yay sarah um i'm not a regular watcher of broad city i have watched like one other episode besides this one uh this is not for me (laughs) this um episode i love them and i love this um like portrayal of a friendship it like just seeing them like on our homepage sometimes reminds me of um walking and talking oh totally uh, yeah which is yeah and like there it's such a new york show and it's also so smart about female friendships this particular episode i felt was a little self-conscious the the bit with the orgy and the civil war reenacting like it did pay off i sort of liked how i liked how it was built but it also liked how it was built um you know i didn't i didn't hate this episode it did make me want to watch more of the show and sort of like get be able to have more perspective on where this episode falls in it and I doubt that my vote is going to make a difference anyway, but this was not necessarily canon for me. Joe. Uh, before I start, Mark, a question. The woman from the orgy, is she yes. the woman from the chorus line movie? The, yes. Um, yes. From Every Little Deidre Step? Goodwin. Yes, that's her. Okay. I was she's very proud of myself woman. for calling that. All right. She's also the woman in the movie Chicago who says, he ran yes. into my knife 10 times. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> Love her. She's fantastic. Um, I I mean, Prod City is fantastic. It's, Sarah mentioned the, the New York thing. I know for people who don't live in New York, it's sometimes tiresome and I get it. But like the, the sort of different versions of New York that you get where like mm-hmm. Seinfeld's New York is different from 30 Rock's New York is different from Prod City's New York. And I love the the New York that we get with Broad City where it's very and even it manifests through its celebrity guest stars where like this version of Kelly Ripa is like Broad City like Broad City New York sort of come to life I remembered this episode being a little bit more I wasn't as enchanted I think the first time with Kelly Ripa the first time I watched it and now I don't know yeah, whether she it's, is great I should say I think she's fantastic like, I don't know what my problem was here. the first yeah, time yeah. around she's really funny she's really game I like that she sort of just like throws herself into it the way she throws that basket out the window <laughs> is really funny and then it, and it sets up the way that like Abby sort of like looks for a second like she's going to do the same thing and like that sort of gets that like crazed look in her eye anytime Abby gets 
any kind of degree of being in charge of anything, it's the best. She's just, it's, she's my favorite character on the show, like by a mile. I think she's so great. She's so funny. Um, Alana, I love too, but Alana's, you know, obviously a very different character. The one thing about this show that I think is very impressive is they are so good together, Abby and Alana, and but also they do really well when they're apart. And not all yes. shows with like a central twosome like that work as well when the main characters are separated from each other. So like super kudos to this show for that. Um, it's just really funny. It's just a really funny episode. But also I feel like it does what this show does best at like an elite level in this episode, which I feel like is important for canon purposes. And I think the Kelly Ripa thing really does sort of like make it a little bit of a signature episode in that, like you can just be like, Oh, the Kelly Ripa episode and you'll, you know, remember exactly everything that happened in the episode. Um, I wish we had an hour's worth of outtakes from that coat check scene (laughs) where she's calling out different kind of coats. Cause like would watch that entire thing. It's really funny. I forgot to say, before we go on, Joe, you reminded me, a New York-specific joke that I did want to bring up from this episode that is so specific. And When they're on the High Line and they see one of those wooden chairs yes. come open, and they basically have a blood sport to get onto the wooden chair, it takes, yeah. like, it takes like five seconds out of the episode, but it's so perfect. Yeah, those Terrible. lounges are never open. Yeah, that's great. All right, I'll uh, wrap us up. Um, Sarah, you were talking about uh, uh, the show being a little pleased with itself, and somebody else was talking about how it uses guest stars. I will say the exception to that is the Hillary Clinton episode from this season. Yeah. That was so awkward <laughs> and so forced and so it was. synergistic. It, it was like super barfy. It really kind of was like, <laughs> you guys should have like taken a step back and reevaluated that one. Um, but this episode... Uh, you're right on Tara that this is a great introduction. If you've never seen this show to the show's characters and what they are at their essence, and you don't get as much together time with them as you do in other episodes, but you get enough to get a feel for the uh, dynamic. The show is really, really solidly funny. Uh, I think for me, the episode I would put up for the canon is the uh, package delivery episode. (laughs) And I think somewhere between season one and season two, they had enough juice that they allowed themselves a bit of that 30 rock elastic reality, you know, that wasn't as there in such quantity in season one and same for 30 rock too. It had, Mm -hmm. it has the same sort of trajectory and um, you know, it's a very different show and it's a very different New York from 30 rock, but it shares a similar sort of, anything goes in the service of comedy vibe without being like Simpsons esque. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I do enjoy that part of it. So solid show, uh, great episode, really great characterizations. Uh, You can't go wrong except for the Hillary Clinton episode. Uh, (laughs) But this, if you haven't watched this show, Mark, you picked a great episode as an introduction. So let's put it to a vote. Uh, Tara. Yay. uh, Sarah. Afraid not. Joe. Yay. I'm going to say yay, too. Yay! Broad City Season 2, Episode 9, Coat Check. You are hereby inducted into the Extra Hot Great Cannon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. 
and will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It is time for Winner and a Loser of the Week. Tara Ariano has our winner. Well, the winner is Ryan Murphy and, by extension, all gay mankind because he is continuing <laughs> his dominance of FX, this time by selling them a show called Feud, which is going to be, I believe, an anthology season- series. But the first season is about the feud between Jess, uh, <laughs> I said their act- the actors' names, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, who will be played by Jessica Lang and Susan Sarandon, and I can't oh even believe God. we're living in these times. Honestly, <laughs> like, that is the I gayest gay nip that ever nipped. Wow, <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> like every part of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, after American Crime Story, I I feel like this is a an excellent use of um whatever additional clout he already had a lot, but now he has even more, and this is a great way to use it. And I can't wait to watch this show. All right, loser. I was in. Oops, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I was in a meeting uh, while that news happened, and it really was like I walked back to my computer and I was just like, wait a second, what? And I had to like get caught up just on the past like 40 minutes because like everything had changed. It was really it was <laughs> quite the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Mark Harris was making that shit up. I was like, <laughs> it does. That's a great way. idea, though. And then yeah. I was like, oh, wait, it's really happening. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if, oh, my God, it's real. Yes. Yeah. All right. Loser of the week. Um, all right. This is a <laughs> semi long story, but Gainesville. Um, I think Gainesville is usually the loser of the week. Sorry, Gainesville. Um, but uh, my husband and I were watching a Dateline. It's like Dateline on NBC on TLC. Oh, like dear. they licensed it to all these different networks and then they get to put their little tag on it. Dateline NBC, your jury duty pool. So <laughs> Lester Holt introduces this story. It's like a basically teenage love triangle and the girl broke up with the one guy that she dated in high school and then his bestie... Um, she started sleeping with him, but they didn't tell the first guy whose name is Pedro Bravo, by the way. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Yes. So, and then the other one's name is Christian. Pedro winds up like drugging Christian's Mountain Dew and killing him and burying oh, him or whatever. So, As but one the does. girl, Erica, is giving these really weird, like very slightly spectrumy, like talking head interviews on the show. And then they're just talking about how like all three of them decided to go to the university of Florida in Gainesville. And then while she and Christian were like secretly boning while Pedro was like writing poems about her in his journal and being sad and planning to kill Christian. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, we were just hanging out and, you know, getting used to Gainesville. So now Obviously, this is the new euphemism in my household for getting doing it, just getting used to Gainesville. Yeah. Like, my husband walked past my office door today uh, naked, and I was like, I ain't got no time to get used to Gainesville this morning. <laughs> so, you're welcome. Go get used to Gainesville, procreate people the earth. Uh, thank you, Bravo, Dateline. Hey, uh, speaking about feeling Google. naked in front of the whole world, uh, <laughs> I have a question for you, uh-huh. and that is this. Do you know what time it is? Gains time? Time to get used to Gainesville. <laughs> Gains time? It's Gains. <laughs> Here we go. Pedro Bravo! All right, everybody. This is the ninth, the ninth game time of Ooh. the season. Joe is still on the precipice of victory with four points. He could win today. Tar right behind with three points. Value guess now at one after last episode's win. And Sarah's looking for her first point. 
Today, we are playing Oscar winner TV dinner from past guest and oh, TV shit. magazine TV critic Dan Daddario. Oh. Yeah. This has been sitting in Hopper for a long time. I had to apologize for him, but I Ooh. wanted the right crowd uh-huh. for an awards-based show. Oh, my God. Sure, and sure. I think we got it. Uh, yeah. I just, All right. He earns himself like an extra credit, plus. redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of <laughs> his choosing. This game tests your knowledge of Oscar-winning movies, actors, work on television. Okay. Each oh, contestant shit. will be told the name of a role on TV and the year that role originated. Okay. The roles may be guest star, reoccurring, leading, or from a miniseries or fictional TV series. No TV movies, talk shows, or sketch comedy. Okay. All right. The contestant okay. must name for two points both the actor and the TV project. Okay. All right. If a hint okay. is required, the contestant will receive the name of a co-star on the project who has not won an Oscar. Wah, wah. Okay. Oh, so we're, we get the character name. I will give you an example in a second. Okay. All right. So you have to guess both parts for the point. You don't get partial points for guessing the actor or the show. Got it. Both. All right. For instance, if the contestants were told Frank Underwood, 2013... The correct answer is Kevin Spacey in House of Cards for two points. Yep. The hint would be Robin Wright, mm-hmm. after which the answer is only worth one point. Okay. The actors may have won Oscars before, after, or during their work on TV. It's up to you to figure that part out. Hmm. All right. Are we ready to play? Let's throw it to Piggy. The, the description <laughs> of this game. What? <laughs> Oh, sorry. I was going to make a joke, and then it started. So never mind. It's not important. We will start with Tara. All right. Tara, Mark, Joe, Sarah is our order. Are we ready to play Oscar winner TV dinner? Yes. All right. Yes, we're ready to go to Gainesville. Tara. Yeah. That was what we were waiting for, Mark? (laughs) No. Yes, it was. I'm I'm ashamed. (laughs) All right. Tell my family. Grace Hansen, 2015, and I'm going to give you a little clue. We're starting with the most recent ones, and we're going to drill down to the uh, oldest ones. This should perhaps get harder as we go along. Okay, I already need a hint. All right, so the just to remind you, Grace yep. Hansen, 2015. Yep. Your hint, co-star without an Oscar, Lily Tomlin. Oh, and- uh, Grace and Frankie, Jane Fonda. And you get one point. Got it. Mark. Yes. Nurse Pam, 2015. Uh, I need a hint, too. All right. Co-star without an Oscar, Toby Jones. Actually, I'm going to give you the... I'm going to give you a better, a fuller clue for this game. Since Tara got the point. Okay. It's not cheating. Toby Jones in The Fighter. Okay. Um, is it... Um... Melissa Leo in Wayward Pines. Correct for one point. Joe Reed, your first question. Avery Ryan. 2015. Avery Ryan. Uh, I'm going to need a hint. All right. Your hint. James Vanderbeek, Boyhood. Oh, um, Patricia Arquette, CSI Cyber. Correct for one point. <laughs> Sarah Bunting. Sally Rayburn, 2015. 
Can I have a hint, please? Yes. All right. The co-star without an Oscar, Kyle Chandler. The Oscar role for the actor, Cole Miner's daughter. Uh, okay. So I'm pretty sure that Sissy Spacek in, oh my God, I can picture the, uh, uh Bloodlines? Yeah. Bloodlines, yes. but we'll give it to you. <coughs> Thank you. It's close enough for a show no one watched. I'm going to say yeah, the true. word bloodline is within the word bloodlines. It is. And we gave you the point at the exact moment you stopped pronouncing the E, and we can't go back on it. All right, so everybody's tied at one point. Back to yes, Tara. Yes. Walter Larson, 2015. Oh, Walter Larson. Walter Larson, 2015. I feel like this is something from Fargo, but I need I think the, these are I, the most recent ones. I, I need the hint. All right, co-star, Jack Black, Oscar role, Mystic River. Oh, is this that terrible show that got canceled called? Is this Tim Robbins? What was it called? The Brink? Okay. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Back to Would Mark. Would not have come up with that. God. Who will get the first two points? Maybe it's Mark. Let's find out. Dr. George Milliken. <gasps> oh, shit. Uh, 2015. Uh, Sorry. I We're need, still in 2015. I need the hint. All right. Uh, co-star without an Oscar, Gemma Chan, and the Oscar role, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Okay, okay, it's William Hurt in Humans. Heard of him? Heard of him? Heard of him? Nice. <laughs> Joe Russ Skokie, S K O K I E. Oh, that does. Two thousand fifteen. Russ Skokie. I'm gonna need the hint. Co-star Felicity Huffman, Oscar role, Ordinary People. Okay, uh, Timothy Hutton, American Crime. That is good for one point to Sarah. Molly Woods, now in 2014. Molly Woods. Yep. Hint. All right, your co-star is Goren Viznik, and the Oscar role is Monsters Ball. What? Okay. Um, well, it has to be Halle Berry in Extant, does it not? Uh, I can't answer that question, but I can accept that as your answer, if that's your answer. Yes, it is. <laughs> you are correct. It's Tara. That show, so forgettable. Yes. Lenny Turtletob, <laughs> uh-huh. 2014. Hint. Will Arnett, co-star, <laughs> Oscar role, Whiplash. Uh, Co-starring Will Arnett, actor, Oscar role from Whiplash. Yeah, well, it's J.K. Simmons, but I don't know what show he was in with Will Arnett. Oh, Jack Horseman. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh. All right, Mark Blankenship, Art. Detective Russ Cole, <laughs> 2014. Okay. Uh, Matthew McConaughey in True Detective. And first that is our pointer. first two-pointer. Joe Reed, Nurse Jackson, 2014. I mean nurses. Um, <laughs> Nurse Jackson. Int, please. Uh, co-star Dave Annable. Oscar roll the help. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, uh... Wait, what's the show? Oh, wait, Octavia Spencer, uh, Red Band Society. Nice. That is good for a point. Nice. God, oh. a show that existed. I know. Unbannable <laughs> also existed. Yeah, seriously. seriously. It sh- right. sure did. For SB, GJ is the character, is the role. GJ. 2013. GJ, 2013, co-star without an Oscar, Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss. By the way, he gave me this. Uh, there might have been an Oscars in between this. Oh, so, right. uh, Elizabeth Moss, Oscar role, the piano. Uh, Holly Hunter, Top of the Lake. Yep. Nice. Tara Ariano, Fiona lake. Good, 2013. Hint. Francis Conroy, Tootsie, and Blue Sky. Um, Jessica Lang, American Horror Story. What was the name? Fiona Good with an E. That's, that's, that's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's Coven. Anyway. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for Mark, Mickey Donovan, yes. 2013. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's John Voight in Ray Donovan. Look at this guy. And he did some good for someone besides Dang. making, yeah. getting ready for Gainesville face. <laughs> Joe Reed. <laughs> yeah. Diane Buckley, 2013. Diane Buckley. 2013. Right. Uh, hint, please. Uh, Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman. And yep. is the Oscar, uh, without Oscar co-star. Oscar role for the actor Pollock. Pollock. Uh, Marsha Gay Harden in Trophy Wife. Correct. All right, bring us into our first score break. Sarah D. Bunting. Eileen Rand. Eileen Rand. <laughs> 2012. <laughs> the Water Fountainhead? Um, I need a hint, please. Deborah Messing co star without an Oscar. How'd that happen? <laughs> Oscar role for the actor uh, Prizzy's Honor. What? Um, okay. Uh, oh, Jesus. All I can think of is the name Mom Cop Cop Mom. It's not that. It's not that. It is. Anybody? That's Angelica Houston for Smash. Correct. Picky. All right, score break time, please. All right. Very exciting game. Sarah and I are tied with three each. Joe has four. Mark is running away with it with six. Holy crap. All right. Don't worry, guys. Still plenty of game. That was question 16 of 50-something. Two. This. Lost my place scrolling around. This is number 17. Spread Eagle. Or Tara. Dar Adal, 2012. That's uh, F. Marie Abraham in Homeland. Oh, just one off for Sarah. Yeah. All right. That's Tara's first two-pointer, I believe. Correct. Mark Blankenship and Martha Levinson, 2012. Uh... Hint. All right, co-actor without an Oscar, Michelle Dockery. Oscar role, Terms of Endearment. Ah, uh, yes, that would of course be Shirley MacLaine in Downton Abbey. Correct. Joseph Reed. Yes. Chester Bernstein. <laughs> 2011 now. Okay. Chester Bernstein. Bernstein. He was a substitute huh. teacher at my school. 
<laughs> I'm going to need a hint. All right. Your co-star, without an Oscar, Dennis Farina. The Oscar role, Kramer versus Kramer and Rain Man. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Dustin Hoffman in luck. That is good oh, for a God. point. Oh, God. That's right. A show that happened. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. R.I.P. Horses. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting, Rodrigo Borgia, 2011. Is that right? Rodrigo? Yeah. R-O-D-R-I-G-O? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't track with you. still need a hint, though. Yeah. Uh, Holiday Granger, Reversal of Fortune. Let me read that role to you again. Rodrigo Borgia. <laughs> of the Southampton Borgias? All right. Um, let me try this. Jeremy Irons in The Borgias. There you are. Yay. Yeah, Ariano. Harriet Korn with a K, 2011. Hint. Nate Cordry. <laughs> co-star yeah Oscar performance in Misery for the actor um oh Kathy Bates in Harry's Law oh <laughs> Jesus a show a that existed row of Beetlejuice 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 and was a success for a while yeah yes yeah it was NBC's most cbs show it was that for sure Mark Blankenship Mr. Fish Odor 2011 Mm-hmm. Ew. Oh, oh, I thought that was a nickname you were giving me, and I didn't understand why. <laughs> Mr. Fishoder is the name of the character? Yes. Yep. Hint. Co-star, H. John Benjamin. Oscar role, A Fish Called Wanda. I think he really fucking me over here. Yeah. Okay, it's it's definitely Kevin Klein. And... Uh, 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 fish police. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're Point right with that. Style. Yeah, Kevin Klein was correct. It was a cartoon. It's something that's on the air right now. It is Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers. Oh, yeah. sorry, Wendy. <laughs> All right, for Joe Reed, Holly Holiday, 2010. <laughs> uh, uh, that is Gwyneth Paltrow on Glee. That is two points. Nice. Sarah D. Bunting, Nancy Donovan, 2009. Nancy Donovan, 2009. She said hint. Alec Baldwin is your co-star without an Oscar. Oscar role from Still Alice. Is that the one where she's people are just like waving their hands in front of her face and she's not moving? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Very still. Alec Baldwin, still Alice. Okay, I let's just pretend that I know that this happened. Julianne Moore in Thirty Rock. Look at you putting the pieces together. The accent on that one. My God. (laughs) Hedy Lang, Tara, two thousand nine. Yeah. Hint. LL Cool J is the Oscar-less co-star. Oh, okay. And the Oscar role. The Year of Living Dangerously. This is Linda Hunt in NCIS LA, Navally. Correct. <laughs> to Mark Blankenship, Snooky Snackhouse, Stackhouse, not Snackhouse. And not Snooky either. You're right the first time. Snooky Stackhouse. Snooky. Wait, hang on. 
Snooky 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 Quiet <laughs> Snooky sta- Snack House 2008 Mark knows it fortunately Well it's either Arnya Puquin or <laughs> Aunt- in Turblue Yep <laughs> Correct uh, Two points plus two day points Whoa oh, No Alright uh, Joe Reed Dr. Gina yes. Toll 2008 2008 Dr. Gina Toll? Yeah, T O L L. T O L L, like a toll booth? Like pay the. <sighs> Gina, huh? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> old Gina. Gina. Yeah, good old, good old Gina. Oh, 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 God, I know this. Um, <laughs> fuck. In treatment, this is uh, Diane Weist in In Treatment. Hey! <laughs> nice pull. Well done. Sarah D. Bunting, well Nancy Davis Dutton, 2007. Nancy Davis Dutton? Yes. 2007. Okay. Hint. Uh, Oscarless co-star Gene Triplehorn. Oscar role. Alice doesn't live here anymore. Oh. Uh, well, hell. I don't know. Ellen Burstyn on Big Love. Hey! All right, to Tara, mm-hmm. Lieutenant John Cavanaugh, 2006. Hint. Your hint is Michael Chiklis. Yeah. Oscar list co-star. Yep. Oscar role for the actor, The Last King of Scotland. Um, I gather I'm supposed to remember that Forrest Whitaker was in a TV show, but I don't. So I don't know. You're not going to take a stab at it? Nope. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. If you took a stab, a stab at it, you would have got it right. Forrest Whitaker in Michael Chiklis. Whitaker. The Shield? Yep. Oh. Okay. All yeah, right. That's one of the names Dave can't say. What? <laughs> Forrest Whitaker. Whitaker. What did I say? Whitaker Whit- again? Whitaker yeah. is what you always say. Yeah. Well, that's his name now. <laughs> it's the Liam Neeson. Just deal with it, Forrest. Guy. Rita okay. Leeds, Mark. Rita Leeds, 2005. Uh, hint. Jason Bateman co-star, Oscar role, Monster. Char- oh, damn it. Charlize Theron in Arrested Development. Good for a MRF. <laughs> Joe Reed. President Mackenzie Allen, 2005. Uh, this is Gina Davis on Commander-in-Chief. This is correct. Yes. Nice. All right, bring us into our second Ooh. score break. Roy Cohn, 2003. C O H N. Yeah. That's um, Al Pacino in Angels in America. Nice. Yes. All right, score break time. Oh, please. boy. This is really exciting. I have seven. Sarah has eight. Mark has 10. Joe just pulled into the lead with 11. Oh. oh. That was question 32. Mm-hmm. Back to Tara. Yep. Helen. Uh, Gil, uh, oh boy! Nope, sorry, just lost it. Hang on. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> uh, Helen Gerardi, Gil Rardi. Girardi. Girardi. Okay. Girardi. Oh, yeah, has no elder. Yep. Yeah. Two thousand three. Okay, is this um, Mary Steenburgen in Joan of Arcadia? It is. Apologies to Helen. Nice. Wow. Mark. Very nice pull. Thank you. Very much. Ariana yes. Kane. Ariana Kane. Ariana Kane. Um, what was the year? Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. 2002. Now, just moved into 2002. Uh, oh, 
I need the hint. Co-star, Jennifer Gardner, Oscar Roll Network. Garner. So that would be uh, Faye Dunaway in Alias. That would be a point. Joe Reed, Jill Green, 2000. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Reese Witherspoon on Friends. Two points. Sarah, Megan Green, 1999. And. Co-star, Jesse Eisenberg. Oscar role, Les Miserables. Blah! <laughs> By the way, Dracula's back on TV, guys. Yeah. Not same. the same Dracula, oh, but he's back on TV. Fuck. Why can't I remember... Why can't I remember the name of this show? Because it All was right. on, it was um, on Team North. Hathaway. <laughs> yep. We could, call, we could call up Pam. Life as we know it. Oh, so mm. close! Equally generic. Get real. Oh, fuck. All right, Tara. Yeah. Katrina Ludlow, 1999. Oh, that's uh, Julia Roberts in Law & Order. Wow. That episode plays on my reruns a lot. Super bitch in that. She really was. She was great. Mark Blankenship, (laughs) Nikki Parker, 1999. Did I say 2009 for the last one? I might have. 1999. Okay. Nikki Parker, uh... Hint. Countess Vaughn co-star Oscar role Precious Oh Monique in the Parkers Good for a point Back to Joe Carly Reynolds 97 Reynolds 97 Ah <laughs> uh, gosh Um Hint please Well somebody co- co-stars with an Oscar to choose from But Dan went with Jenny Garth and the Oscar role is Boys Don't Cry, Million Dollar yeah. Baby. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, Hillary Swank, Beverly Hills, 90210. Core erect for one point. Back to Sarah. Jamie King, 96. Jamie King, 96. Yeah. Hint. Yeah, right. Uh, Garcelle Bovas. Bovay. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, come on. No. Don't laugh at me for that one. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, Oscar roll, Ray. Look, some of us didn't go to French immersion. <laughs> that sounds like a personal problem. That's <laughs> <laughs> not, not really going to help me. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough one. Anybody? Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx on the Jamie Foxx show. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tara, yeah. Mr. Darcy, 95. Jamie Foxx. What the fuck is that? That's um, Colin Firth in Pride and Prejudice. Correct. Yes, well done. Two points. Back to Mark. Jordan uh, Catalano. <laughs> 94. <laughs> Wait, hello? Jordan. Yeah. Jordan Catalano. Jordan Catalano? Yeah. 94. <laughs> From every fiber of my being, I can tell you, Jared Leto in my so-called life. That's good for two points. Back to Joe Reed. <laughs> Jessica Lovejoy, 94. Aha. Meryl Streep on The Simpsons. Correct. Bring us into our next score break. Anna Madrigal, 93. Hint. Co-star without an Oscar. Is this right? Laura Linney? And the yeah. Oscar role is Moonstruck. Odd. Oh... 
Now Somewhere, John Ramos just sat bolt upright, and um, <laughs> he's not sure why that happened. And it's because I'm about to say shared tales of the city. Oh, so close. Olympia Dukakis tales of the city. Oh, Man. Of course. Ah. Sorry, John. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's hear the scores. Please start. Oh, my God. It's never been more exciting. Sarah has eight. Um... I have 13, Mark has 14, Joe has 16. All right. So everybody has a possible four points Okay. to win. Everybody's okay. got two more questions. All right. So Tara. Yep. Jamie Buckman, <laughs> 92. God damn it. Thank you, Picky. That is Helen Hunt in Mad About You. You are correct. Mark Blankenship. Yes. DCI Jane Tennyson, 91. Uh, Helen Mirren in Prime Suspect. Correct. Joe. Yes. Beverly Harris, 89. Uh, that's Estelle Parsons on Roseanne. Correct. Yes. Sarah Bunting. Space uh, bullshit. What did you just say? I just said, wanted this to be... is going to be some space bullshit. I could just tell. <laughs> He's laughing because apparently you are correct. Well, it is, but wait. You You're made me laugh and give away a clue. You got an extra clue. <laughs> it is a space bullshit. Guyan. 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 88. John just sat bolt upright again. Yeah. Yeah, he did. What was the name that, of the... uh is Whoopi Goldberg in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes, queen! I'm trying to pull the name of the bar. What was it 10 forward? Yes. Yes, 10 forward. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tara. It Sarah, I wish I had forward. my camera here to capture how much that delighted Dave that you said. <laughs> that I could sense a disturbance you in could. the yeah. game time force. We were really due. Did. We really were due. We were, we were, there. We were definitely yep. due in space. All right. 4B. Maggie Lawton. <laughs> yeah. L-A-U-T-E-N. 87. Yep. Hint. Jasmine Guy. Uh, Oscar role, My Cousin Vinny. Oh, uh, this is Marissa Tomei on A Different World. You are correct. Mark Blankenship, your last Close. question. Dominic Santini, 84. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mark, before you answer, what you just did is like part of the show's opening. Oh. oh. Blowing out air? Sigh. Uh, you want that hint? Anyone on Miami Vice win an Oscar? Uh, oh, I have to take the hint. All right. Jan Michael Vincent is your co-star. Oscar role, Marty. Oh, my God. So it was Miami Vice. <laughs> and it's uh, Edward G. Robinson. Incorrect. Ernest Borgnine in Ernest Airwolf. Borgnine. What? <laughs> wow. Oh, shit. This is how the theme begins. <laughs> right. That was a question for Dave's. Yeah. Uh, I would have got it off the Dominic Santini. I'd These never... are our last questions, right? Yep. Joe's okay. last question. What's the score right now? Uh... I have 16. Mark has 16. Yeah, Sarah does, has 10. What does Joe have? Joe has has one. Joe oh, has 18. Okay. Yeah, I have 18. Joe, 
Dr. Philip Chandler, 82. Is this Denzel Washington on St. Elsewhere? Is it? It is. <laughs> yeah. Making it decisive. All right, last question Woo. for Sarah D. Bunting. Two character names for you. Recently mentioned. No reason not to get this. Shame on you and your family if you miss it. <laughs> Kip Wilson and Buffy Wilson, 1980. Oh, yes, of course. This is Tom Hanks on Bazoom Buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Bazoom Buddy's good for two points. Let's hear the final scores, please. Final scores are Sarah with 12, Mark and me tied with 16 each, and Joe with 20. All right, congratulations, Joe. Before we give you your official victory song, let's do our shits and giggles tiebreaker. First person to shout out either of two possible answers wins... Four Dave points. Ready? Yes. There are two Oscar winners who have voiced Maggie Simpson. Name one. Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor. Taylor. And the other one? Oh. Ooh, what's the other one? <gasps> I don't know. Oh. Jody Foster is the other one who has huh. voiced Maggie huh. Simpson. Yeah. Girl. I think maybe in that maybe in that short, maybe? I don't know. I don't know that for sure, but anyway. All right. All right. Well, well, guys, Joe just won the season. Congratulations, Joe. Congratulations indeed to Joe. Thank you. Well done. So that means next week we'll start a new game time season. Oh boy. That is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We dragged up all our thoughts and feelings on RuPaul's eighth season before going around the dial with stops at The Good Wife, The Night Manager, The Amazing Race, The Challenge, and Pickle and Peanut. Mark made the successful pitch for Broad City's coat check for the Extra Hot Great Canon. We crown winners and losers of the week. And Joe was the winner of this week's game time and season. Remember. Yeah. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariana, we're a Step Ups family. Sarah D. Bunting. Oh, just getting used to Gainesville. Joe Reed. <laughs> Go back to Party City where you belong. And Mark Blankenship. First, first. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. This shit is not easy. I am fucking sweating. I'm going from looking like Viola Davis to looking like Patrick Ewing. This shit is not cute. Ooh. This has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network.